Well, I'm going to start out with just a couple quotes from people. Um, some of them, I don't even know who they are. I got it from a website, but I thought the quote was good. So um, one of them, I can't even pronounce his name, so I'm not going to try. If Gardy was here or if uh, the Makuda family was here, I could have asked them because it's French. But um, because it's French, I'm not going to even try it, okay? Um, so the first one that I'm going to um, say, though, is from Abraham Lincoln. And he said that no man is poor who has had a godly mother. And that is so true. And then we have the one that's from the French author. And he says, the heart of a mother is a deep abyss at the bottom of which you will always find forgiveness. Isn't that true? Moms, it, they love their children so much that they, uh, they show that, you know, where it says that God, he forgives a multitude of sins. Mothers forgive a multitude of sins all the time. And then another one from Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was a Supreme Court justice years and years ago. It says, youth, he said, youth fades, love droops, the leaves of friendship fall. A mother's secret hope outlives them all. You know, as mothers, we are created to just believe the best about our children. It's like when they are born, we just see all the potential that's in them, and we are amazed, like, oh, look at this little person. And it comes so naturally, this love that just comes from within us, that God created us like this. He created us to have this desire to nurture and to love and to be kind to this newborn child that uh, he has graced our families with. And so as we see this potential in them. We begin to cheer them on when they uh, do anything. You know, they open their eyes. Oh my goodness, he just opened his eyes. <laughs> you know, we just are so excited about everything as they learn to talk, as they learn to sit as they learn to crawl and they learn to walk, all those milestones, it's work for those kids. And uh, it's also work for us, you know, the changing of the diapers, all those things. It's a lot of work, but the end result is so worth it. And that's what we look at. We're just like, oh, I can do this because this little person has so much potential. I'm willing to do this. And then as our children begin to get bigger, and they go into the world, so to say, uh, so to speak. They're going to the playgrounds. They're going to these different places. We endeavor to protect them. We are there. We move the uh, obstacle that's in their way that they are not even looking at. They're looking somewhere else, and we quickly move it so they, they won't fall down and won't stub their knee. And uh, they we're constantly on the lookout when they're younger, trying to protect them. And while they do still get their bumps and bruises, we are there trying to limit the amount of scars and, and you know, uh, problems that they come into. And uh, when they begin to go to school, though, a new thing begins to happen where they are no longer in our direct uh, area all the time. And so now we are trying to encourage them and instruct them 
through the hearsay stories of what they're telling us happened at school. And so now we can't physically protect them from everything that's going on, and now we just have to begin to teach them and to train them and to try to help them and navigate uh, from afar. And that is a huge transition for us. We also find that uh, the more independent they become, which they will become as they grow up, they become more and more independent, there is more and more chance for them to get hurt. And as mothers, that is uh, hard sometimes for us to, to see our children hurt. We're not, you know, yes, they'll get their physical bumps and bruises still, even as they get older, but it's the emotional hurts that really begin to start pulling on our hearts. And, and we are trying to fix problems for them and help them navigate through everything. We want them to have as perfect a world as they possibly can have. If there was anything in our power to do to keep them from facing um, troubles, we would do it because we just love them so much. And so here's where all of a sudden we are faced with this challenge on the inside. If you want to go ahead and uh, turn to Proverbs 22.6, we begin to be faced with this challenge that should we try to protect them from everything that could hurt them? Should we, you know, uh, keep them from being in certain circumstances and doing certain things? Because if they did that, they will, there's a chance that they get hurt. Or should we uh, train them so that they can withstand the pressures of life? You know, when I put it like that, it seems like it's obvious. Of course, you're going to train them and help them get prepared for, uh, the, uh, for, for life in general. But as we're doing that, it isn't presented quite like that. And so uh, if it were just black and white, yes, you're going to train them or you're going to protect them, you know, we're going to say, oh, of course, it's the better thing to do is to, to train them. But... Uh, Many times, we, what we can find ourselves doing is just like when they were on the playground and you're moving obstacles, sometimes as they get older, we try to move obstacles and change things in their life so that they don't experience hurt or so that they don't go through maybe some of the things that uh, we may have felt when we were younger. But God says in Proverbs 22, 6, that we should train up our children in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It is one of those responsibilities as parents, but also as mothers, uh, to begin to train them, to begin to show them what to do. We begin to instruct them on what's good for them, what isn't good for them on what they should do, on what they shouldn't do. We began to tell them, hey, you can only watch this kind of things. You should only listen to this kind of music. Oh, you only get to have this amount of time on your video games. All these things that we're doing, we tell them, you need to eat your vegetables. You know, we're constantly telling them, this is what is good for you. And uh, many times, you know, uh, 
It isn't just like, oh, thanks, Mom. That was the greatest advice you could have given me. I'm so thankful that you're telling me I can only play video games for this long. Most of the time, it is met with, what? All my friends do it. Why can't I? And you see this stuff over and over and over. Anyone that has been a mother knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> there are things that we go through, uh, in, in not just video games, but all sorts of things that we go through where they are, they, from their perspective, feel like it should look like this, but from our perspective, having been a kid and having grown up and knowing what's good and what's not good, we are beginning to put things into them and begin to train them and tell them, hey, you know what? My experience tells me that this is what I need to have you do. When we are giving this advice and, when, and these instructions to our children, we're not doing it because we're trying to harm them or trying to make their life miserable. Now, they may feel like that, but we're not trying to make them uh, just miserable at all. In fact, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help them so that they actually enjoy life more. And they, the consequences of their decisions that they're making now, they will enjoy their life later on. I have said this story many times at our church. My um, mother did not let me go to the river and party. And I just thought she was completely ruining my social life. In fact, it was a great frustration to me when everybody else on Friday night headed to the James River and had a great time. And then on Monday, they come back to school and talk about this wonderful time that they had and I was not there. And I used to think, she is just ruining my life. Now, we lived out on a country road, out in the middle, five miles outside of town. Our nearest neighbor was um, a, like a quarter of a mile away. I couldn't jump out my window and get anywhere, anywhere fast, anytime fast. So it's not like I could even disobey at this point in my life. I was, I had to obey. There was no way to get around it. And you know, I didn't understand that. And there were times where I voiced my disapproval very much with my mother and told her, you know, I disagree. I think you should let me have a social life. And uh, when I was 25, uh, a light turned on, and I just was like, oh my goodness, thank God I never went to the river and partied. And I knew the consequences of what began to happen to some of those that did go. And, uh, you know, uh, there were people, there was accidents that happened because of drunk driving. There were just things that happened where kids ended up dropping out of school because of choices that they ended up making. And when I was 25, all of a sudden, my mother was extremely wise. You know, she was not wise when I was 16, but at 25, I was so thankful 
that I did not have to reap the consequences of choices that I wanted to make at 16. Why am I telling you that? Because I am just encouraging you mothers. I know that there are times where it is difficult to put your foot down and say no, but the consequences down the road, there will come a day when your children will thank you. Um, I'm going to read you a little story that I, that I saw. It's called The Meanest Mother in the World. We had the meanest mother in the world. While other kids ate candy for breakfast, we had to have cereal, eggs, and toast. When others had a Pepsi and a Twinkie for lunch, we had to eat sandwiches. As you can guess, our mother fixed us a dinner that was different from other kids had, that the other kids had too. Mother insisted on knowing where we were at all times. You would think we were convicts in a prison. She had to know who our friends were, what we were doing with them, and she insisted that if we said we were gone for an hour, that it was an hour or less. She, uh, we, we were ashamed to admit it, but she had the nerve to break child labor laws by making us work. We had to wash the dishes, make the beds, learn to cook, vacuum the floor, do laundry, and all sorts of cruel jobs. I think she would lay awake at night thinking of more things for us to do. She always insisted on telling us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. By the time we were teenagers, she could read our minds. And life began to get very tough. She wouldn't let our friends just honk the horn when they drove up. Instead, they had to come to the door so she could meet them. Because of our mother, we missed out on a lot of things that other kids experienced. None of us have ever been caught shoplifting, vandalizing others' property, or ever arrested for any crime, and it was all her fault. We never got drunk, took up smoking, stayed out late all night, or a million other things that other kids did. Sundays were reserved for church, and we never missed once. We knew better than to ask to spend, uh, to spend the night with a friend on Saturdays. Now that we have left home, we are all God-fearing, educated, honest adults. We are doing our best to be the mean parents just like our mom was. Right now, our world needs to, be, uh, needs to have more mean moms. And so, you know, it is tough. You know, we, we're in this dilemma. Should we tell them no and have that risk that they're going to get frustrated with us? Uh, or should we just tell them yes and let them have their way? And as moms, we are constantly faced with these challenges of training our children and making tough choices and not getting the pat on the back from our children. And so just know, uh, you know, in about 10 years, 15 years, they're going to appreciate it. <laughs> you may not hear it now, but they will appreciate it. Uh, if you want to turn to 2 Timothy 1.7, another thing that we begin to do is we, we are training our children to become strong, uh, having strong character and 
also capable of fulfilling the plan of God for their lives. And you know, there's uh, one way that we do that is we are training them to live by faith and not by fear. And if you look at 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, uh, we begin to put things into them and tell them the difference of what is faith and what is fear. We tell them, you know, when they're coming to us with their bad dreams, we remind them of this scripture. You know what? You don't have to be afraid of that. It was just a dream. It's not real. We also begin to tell them how God is with them, how they have angels protecting them, so that when they're faced with fear, they have uh, something to resist that fear and to say, you know what? God is always with me. You know, there's times that uh, they um, are unsure of themselves. Uh, can I do this? Can I not do something? If we look at Philippians 4.13, you know, we encourage them and we tell them, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And uh, we begin to read Bible stories to them. When they're young, we start, I, you know, I have this Bible that we used to use all the time. It was a children's Bible, and it had pictures and all sorts of really cool things. So we would read the stories, and as they got old enough, they began to read the stories to us to our family. That was some of the, um, some very fond memories that I have of them, you know, I want to read tonight. No, I want to read tonight. Well, you know, there's nothing better than hearing your children fight over who gets to read the Bible. <laughs> you know? If you're going to fight about something, I'd rather it be that, you know. Uh, but I know like, um, Mrs. Hannah, when she is doing uh, her videos of the Bible stories, she is reading from a toddler version of uh, the Bible. And I know Amika uses that on uh, Wednesday nights as well. Just reading to them on a, on a level where they can understand the stories. We are teaching them about God. And, you know, we tell them the stories of how David, he faced Goliath and won. He shouldn't have. He should not have won that battle, but he did. And then we begin to tell them of how Daniel was in the lion's den, which is the thing that uh, Mrs. Hannah just had us do for this weekend, and how that it was God that shut those lions' mouth. He sent angels to shut those lions' mouths so that Daniel, who was obeying God, could come out alive out of that situation. And then we see Peter being able to walk on water. You know that, I don't think there's anyone else that has ever walked on water. I can tell you for a fact that I have not. And so you see all these different things that when people were obeying God, if God told them to do something, that he helped them. We begin putting those things into our children and we tell them, you know what? If God is telling you to do something, he will give you the ability. We are teaching them, we are training them from the beginning that, uh, that they are capable of doing whatever it is that God has for them to do. You know, you may be thinking, 
I don't know those stories. So, you know, maybe you're a newer Christian and you're just like, I don't know those stories. How in the world can I train my children if I don't know them? Learn it with them. You know, read the uh, toddler Bibles with them or the children's Bibles with them. You're going to be learning while you are also instructing them. You don't have to know everything. You can learn as you go. And then there's scriptures that will mean something to you that you can share with your children. Some of these that we've already mentioned, like uh, God has not given me a spirit of fear, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We begin to put these things into our children so that when they are faced with situations, when they're faced with things that uh, where we're not there to help them, they have this information on the inside of them that they can pull from and they can begin to say you know what uh i can do this when the teacher gives an assignment that just seems way too hard or when you're in a math class and the problems that they're wanting to go over and, and the, the facts that they're trying to teach you just seem way over your head. That's when you draw on that scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is my helper. He's the one that's going to help me learn. He's the one that's going to help me take the tests. Uh, you know, he sent us the Holy Spirit who is our helper. We begin putting these things into our children so that when we are not around them, they are beginning to be pointed towards God because there comes a time when they grow up and we are no longer around them all the time. And so we are equipping them now to be able to go and take what they need to face life's problems. If you'll turn to Jeremiah 29, 11, another thing that we begin to teach our children uh, when they come to us with their um, emotional hurts and uh, you can begin to see that their self-esteem is, is starting to be shaken some and, you know, they're afraid that so-and-so is not going to like them anymore or maybe they messed up and did something and everyone laughed at them or everyone thinks you know they they come to you and they say everyone thinks I'm so stupid or I'm just not as good at sports as everyone else you know there's this huge list of things that they begin coming to you with uh, when they're in elementary school and middle school and high school and they begin sharing with you things that they're not sure about their their world is beginning to be a little bit rocked what can we do at that point is continue to push them towards God and remind them what God says about them it doesn't matter what Sally Sue thinks it matters what God thinks and he says in Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you thoughts uh, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. When we realize uh, and we're putting into our children, look, there's a plan of God for your life and nobody can stop you from fulfilling, fulfilling that plan unless you let them unless you begin to believe those words that people are saying, unless you begin to uh, dwell on that and rehearse that over and over in your mind, those are put there on purpose 
uh, to try to discourage you. And you begin putting into your children and you begin uh, building their self-esteem up, letting them know, look, this is how God sees you and his way is right. And it doesn't matter what other people are saying, what other people are doing, what other people think about you. It matters what God thinks because he made you and he had thoughts about you before you were even in your mother's womb. He knew from the beginning what he wanted you to be when you grew up. And so uh, we began sharing those kind of things to combat what the world is trying to uh, place in our kids' heads and the insecurities that the world is trying to... Well, it's not even so much the world because we know that we're not fighting flesh and blood, but it's spiritual forces that are trying to make us weak in and of ourselves. Yeah, um, and so as we are, as our children are beginning to come to us with different things, we are encouraging them that God loves them so much. He loved them so much that he gave his life for them because he believed in them. And we believe in them. And so between God and their, you know, us as their parents, they've got three people right there believing in them and thinking that they're awesome. Then uh, we, um, if you want to turn to Proverbs 16.3, we begin to tell them to put their confidence in God and believe in what he has to say. And if we look at uh, Proverbs 16.3, we begin to tell them, if you commit your life right here, if you commit your works to the Lord, your thoughts will be established. Uh, that's the New King James. I had another one that said, um, I'm not quite sure what translation, but it says your plans will succeed. If we were training our children that if they commit their ways, what they're doing to God, and they're trying to do things God's way, they will be successful. They will go out and be, uh, you know, not just ordinary kids. We talk about this all the time in Super Kid Academy. You have maybe what other people see as ordinary skills, uh, abilities, all that, but you have God on the inside of you, leading and guiding and directing you and causing you to do extraordinary things because of him. And so we tell them these kind of things so that their self-esteem is based on the word and not by the circumstances that are surrounding them. And as we do that, we're teaching them uh, in 1 John 4, 18. You can um, turn there if you'd like. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. When we have God as our rock and as our fortress, and we understand the love that he has for us, 
it builds this confidence on the inside of us to where we are no longer moved by fear in our decisions. Yes, there's pressures that come, and as they come, we are training our children to be able to say, hey, is that faith or is that fear? And as they are understanding the love of God, that how much he cares for them, less and less are they afraid to do things. When, when you have this clear understanding of the angels that are around you, protecting you, uh, you are less afraid to go out and do things. I can remember there was a time when I started traveling on airplanes more, and you know, uh, you, you never hear of the multitude of airplane flights that make it somewhere. You hear on the news of the one that didn't make it. And you know, that, what does that do? That begins to uh, place this thought in your mind that airplanes go down all the time. Well, they do, but it doesn't mean that they go down and crash. But that's kind of the impact that you start thinking, you know, there's a good chance if I get on this plane, it's going to crash. And um, I just remember there was this time where I was traveling more and I would uh, just, so a thought would come to my heart one time of my angels just holding up the airplane wings. <laughs> and you know what? I, I never was worried after that. Once I just thought, you know what? My angels are, you know, even if the engine goes out, well, I have an angel holding it up. <laughs> it's going to be okay. You know, when you, when you realize that God is protecting you and watching over you, you are less afraid to do things. So it makes it easier to go on an airplane or uh, to drive a car. I'll tell you what, when your children turn 16 and they start driving, it is a time that you are really thankful for angels because as great as they are doing, they are still learning. And so you are just trusting God that uh, he is watching over the cars that are all around them, but also watching over them as they are driving. <laughs> and so, you know, you can put those kind of thoughts into them as well, because sometimes you're, you know, when you have four children, you begin to realize that, cert that they do things differently. And each and every one of them have different things that um, concern them. And so, you know, you may have one that is extremely confident, um, on doing something and then you may have another one that in that same area they're not quite as sure about and so we our job as parents is to encourage them uh, to realize that they don't have to be afraid and there are certain things that we you know when they're younger we are training them yes you need to uh, not run into a road when cars are coming. So you want them to know that there are boundaries and things that they need to know to keep themselves, you know, just laws that are natural laws. You know, you, you don't wear a bathing suit in the snow. You know, uh, you don't wear shorts when it's really cold outside. 
And there's things like that that we are training them. But after a certain point, then we also begin to train them that, okay, if you are doing natural things correctly, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of a hot oven or a stovetop if you know not to touch it with your bare hand. You know, if you're using the mitt, you are protected on some of those things. And it's, it's stuff like that that we begin to show them that you don't have to be afraid. You know, as they begin to come uh, with you with different things that they're afraid of, you know, you can show them, hey, this is the difference between faith and this is the difference, uh, and this is what fear is. And so faith will believe the best and see potential to win. Fear will shrink back and it will not want to take risks. Have you ever noticed that when you're afraid, you don't even want to try something? And maybe it's something that is actually good for you to try and you would actually be successful if you just gave it a chance. Fear tries to get you not to do something because what? if it doesn't work. And that at that point, as parents, we begin, as mothers, we begin to encourage our children, is that fear or is that faith? That thought that you're having, is that fear or is that faith? Is that going to help you succeed? You know, I don't want to take this class. It looks like it's, it's going to be too hard for me. I just don't think I can do it. I've heard from everyone. I've heard from the smart kids, you know, that this is, is too difficult. And you on the inside realize, you know, they need to take that class. It would be good for them. You know the potential that's on the inside of them. And you encourage them to take certain classes and do different things. And, and you're showing them, look, that is, you're wanting to base your decision on a fear rather than on uh, what is actually good for you. Uh, faith will strive to become something, to believe you can do something. Fear is afraid to try because it'll, it's risky or you'll look stupid. How many times have we not done something because we thought, I'm going to look so stupid and you know I don't want to be a fool? And yet we're missing out on opportunities that would help us uh, to do great things. You know, if you are so afraid to talk in front of anyone, there are opportunities that fear is holding you back from. And there's a number of different things in our children that we can see, oh no, you would be so good at this, and they, you can feel their resistance. And they're saying, no, I, I'm too scared. No, I don't think I can do that. And as parents, as mothers, we begin to tell them, look, you can do this. You are capable and you have God to be able to help you. And right now, that very fear that you're facing is trying to hold you back. And as parents, we are showing them the difference. This is faith and this is fear. You know, fear will cause you to react. How many times will you, uh, you're afraid something's going to happen and so you scream? Or you, you know, you're just like, ah, stop, whatever. It causes you to react. It causes you to stop. It causes you to stand still. 
or to run the other way sometimes, you know? And, but when we are, uh, when our children are acting in faith, it will cause them to run towards whatever it is. They feel they can do it. They can take life and run and do great things. When they have that understanding that God is at their back, that he is leading them, that he is guiding them, then they will run and accomplish what the plan of God is for their lives. And so as moms, we have this huge responsibility from the time that they are newborn to the time that they are grown and have their own children and, you know, are coming to you now with questions of their own. As mothers, our job never ends. You know, it's all, we will always be a mom. And so we have this great responsibility. We're on the front lines with our children. We're on uh, this, we are surrounding them with prayers and with encouragement and with things and with the word we're put, we keep putting into them and pouring into our children because we believe in them because we know what the potential is on the inside of them. We know that God has good things for them. And so we continue to just uh, surround them with all these different things. And then as it gets to the point where they move on with their life, we begin to let go, you know, when they want to make their own decisions. And, and some of that happens as soon as middle school and high school where you're just beginning to allow them to make decisions for themselves trusting that the word that you have put in them will be something that is guiding and leading them we can't protect our children from everything but we can put into them all the things that are necessary for them to have to be successful in their life to handle the challenges that come their way as they uh, are older, to make good, godly choices and decisions. And you know what? We're not going to do it perfect. You know, all of us can look back and say, oh, I would have, could have, should have, all those things. When we look back, hindsight is 2020. When you're When you're not facing pressures in your own life, uh, you see things clearer. But there are times when your kids are coming to you and you're facing your own fears and your own, I, uh, that makes me nervous when you do that. I don't know if you should do that. There's things that are on the inside that we're facing our own fears sometimes and our own pressures. And so sometimes we don't always do everything perfectly. And that is okay. Because you know what? God is bigger our job is to nurture them and to train them and then believe that he can take our fish and our loaves and multiply all the efforts uh, that we have put into our children and multiply that. And then as they grow, in, uh, grow up as adults, that he is continuing to lead them on the path that he has for their lives. And it's a step-by-step -step process for us as we're watching. Our, our 
role is ever-changing. No longer can we always protect them from everything. There's going to be a, a point in our lives where we begin to just equip them. And then there comes a point in our lives where unless they ask, we have to just pray for them and hope uh, with ex expectation kind of hope that the things that we have put in them, that the Holy Spirit can bring it back to their remembrance and help them to make good, godly choices. And so I just want to take... Um, a few minutes and just pray for our moms. God, we are just so thankful for all of our moms.